Yo, yo, yo. Hope y'all had a great weekend. I know I did. Just finished watching the Dodgers lose and the Seahawks lose, which always sucks, but that's fine. I mentioned in this episode, I talk about Amazon. First part, I mean to say that Amazon employees are eligible for some of the paid tuition grants that they're offering. So for Amazon employees, I don't think I mentioned that in the first part of this episode. Anyways, I hope you enjoy. Keep rocking with me. Yo, yo, yo. How are we doing today? Hope we're all doing good. Saturday. We are jamming. Got a nice hot cup of coffee here with me. A little bit too warm to uh, really get into right now. Speaking of getting into it, we're going to get into it. Hope everybody's doing well this week. I'm doing well. Doing excellent. Looking at a couple of things this week. Um, Amazon, at the beginning of this year, 2022, January, they are going, from what I've read, is going to pay for 100% of your college. They are going to make that happen, which is good for them. Not a lot of people really like Amazon. I don't particularly, particularly like Amazon, but I'm intrigued by the idea of them paying for college. 100%. So that's good the way I see it. Amazon should step up and and uh, do a little bit more for themselves. I guess they're going to pay for people who are frontline employees, it looks like. Also high demand jobs. And I imagine, I mean, high demand degrees. I imagine those degrees are determined by Amazon. I need to read into it more, but I'm intrigued. I think that in a time like this, people are looking to transition and move and, and do different things. The opportunity to go and switch things up, do something new, go get re-educated, get a little smarter, do something different. I think that's never a bad idea. Speaking of doing things different, I got to move out of my apartment. It's coming to an end. I've lived in the same place in Tempe for the last 18 months. It's been, I don't think I've ever lived anywhere as long as I've lived here. 18, oh, other just other than the house I grew up in, but I don't think I've ever lived anywhere longer than 18 months. It's always been around a year before I moved somewhere else. So that's going to be uh, a new exciting venture I have to take on somewhere new. This is my first podcast that I'm recording on the new mic that I bought that I had discussed in the last podcast. My brother finally helped me set it up. Well, actually, he helped me set it up, but I finally was able to set it up on my own because, man, I was really struggling. I don't know what is, what's up with that. I Sometimes I just really struggle with the details of uh, certain pieces of technology. I guess that just shows my age, I guess. I don't know. Maybe it just shows something else, my ignorance, which I got to be okay with. I got to recognize it and change it. I got to become a little bit more technology savvy. I went to a uh, an Isaiah Rashad concert last night who is by the way one of my favorite artists I I was like considering not going to that that 
concert. Was thinking about selling the tickets. I was thinking about it. I tried to sell the tickets. I couldn't sell the tickets. And when I went there, I was happy that I did not sell them. I was pleasantly surprised by his stage presence and his his, his music. If you've not seen Isaiah Rashad live, and you have the opportunity to, you definitely should. He's a, quite the showman. Um, it was quite the quite the quite the show. It's funny. I went there, right? So I showed up with Max. We took you know um, some mushrooms. Just a little bit, you know, like a uh, small dose. And I drop off the car, you know, I made them in like a gummy. I've been making them in like a gummy bear form. So I took some gummy bears. I took some some THC gummies as well. And we're just rolling, you know, just floating through the whole scene. Just really loving it. Everybody's outside. Excuse me. A bunch of young, beautiful people in line chattering away. And I'm thinking, man, I got these three tickets. I, I, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do with this third ticket. It's just me and my brother. And so as we walked through the, the gate towards the, the um, venue, there's a group of people that tickets doesn't work. And I say, you know, well, hey, I've got this extra one. Um, just let me know if you need it. And I didn't get a real a reaction out of them, really. I think they were just trying to figure out what was actually wrong with the ticket. And... They ended up calling me back. I paid for the ticket. They paid for a beer, and it was awesome. It felt great. It felt amazing. I would. I wish we lived in a world that that things could work. I mean, they can't. They can work this way, but it felt good to be able to have something like that. Like if everyone bought an extra ticket for that show and intended to give it away um, to somebody. That would be a pretty. That would be an interesting kind of phenomenon to see to see played out, especially if there's people who have just never heard of Isaiah Rashad before. I mean, imagine all these people who had never heard of him coming there and having a great experience. It was cool. I had a fun time. It was a blast. It was filled with laughter. My brother and I were just cracking up the whole time. There was these two huge guys that were standing in front of us. They were about like five, six, five, seven, three hundred pounds plus standing right in front of us like just barricading us in because it was it, you know him and I were tall so it was funny like we're talking to this guy it's like um next to us right like these two huge guys in front of us and then this this guy to the right of us sees this like kind of dynamic playing out and I, I lean over to him I'm like you know um I can't remember what I said but we started talking about the fact that I'm like man people when you're tall at a concert they think that you're well, the perception that Max and I get, because we're both kind of tall, is that, you know, people take it personally that we're tall. It's like they, they, they look at us, you know, like as if like we personally are, are making um, uh, like an, an attack by being tall. It's like, oh, well, you're tall and you're deciding to stand for stand there, maybe in our view. Therefore, that was like a. a, a you know, they take that personally. And it's funny. It's like, you know, we're just standing here and we, this is where we want to stand, you know, and that has nothing to do with anyone else around us. We're not like, oh, let's go stand in front of those people. We're like, let's just go stand right there. That's a good view of the stage. It's not right underneath the big fan. It's kind of out of the way of traffic. And 
So it's funny. It's like, man, people really, I feel like people really do take that. Like they take it personally. It's like a personal attack on them when somebody tall stands. When in reality, it's like, well, you're standing right there too. And you didn't take any like personal, like you weren't like plotting against the people standing there. So why would we? And then as we said that a really tall dude came and stood right in front of Max. He had kind of long hair and the hair was like in Max's face. And I just started cracking up. I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is, this is hilarious because now for a moment, we're almost like, did this guy come and stand in front of us because we're tall? Like, is that actually, is this whole scenario actually playing out? And so we laughed and we took like a step back. And then not long after that, those two huge guys stood right in front of us and like pinned us to the back of the facility. Like we were like right in front of the DJ or like sound and lighting. There's like this hub in front of the sound and lighting, uh, like right in the middle of the, of the venue that had like a little gate around it. Uh, and, um, it's my dog in the background. It's a little jingly. Jingly. Collar. And we were leaning up against this like little, um, this little, gotcha, lost my train of thought. Anyways, a little fence and these like two huge guys were like barricading us in and we were just had a great laugh. We were all feeling really good last night. All that is to say is that I, um, I know going to a concert can be a cancelable offense these days, but I, we had to show our backs cards. It was not bad. Country thunder is happening right now in, uh, in, in Florence, Arizona. Luke Combs, I believe is playing tonight. So that's exciting. What else is going on? Um, Man, work for me. Work is a crazy place. You know what's funny is like work is like everybody has to do it. No one just gets out of having to work really. Take a sip of my coffee. Nobody really gets out of having to work. I have to work around um, a bunch of like 59, 60-ish year old people. And there were some discrepancies and some disagreements at work this last week. And I had to play Peacemaker. And it's funny to be uh, a project manager for a project that involves a bunch of 60-year-old men. Like, none of them are vaccinated, let alone, actually one of them is, let alone, like, do they, you know, they don't want to be told what to do by credible scientists or whatever. Um, or whatever, credible scientists, I won't put the whatever in there, you know, they don't want to be told what to do by them. Like, why are they going to be, why do, why do they want to be told what to do by me? You know? So it's funny trying to mediate these, these guys and get them all on the same page and motivate them to be, to buy into the idea of them being all on the same team. And not all three of them can be in charge and looking at these men and trying to like make these metaphors and analogies work to 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 get them to buy in i had to at, that, at one point i'm like man you guys you know like not all of you can be 100 percent in charge just like when the olympics come around the team is compiled of a bunch of different players and and it doesn't necessarily fit with your coaching style this is a basketball reference if you're a run and gun style of guy and your olympic team is consistent of a bunch of guys who can't play in that model, you have to adjust your, your, your offensive approach. And, 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 and the, ultimately the goal is for all three of the, or four of the coaches to come together with these like amazing players and win a gold medal. 
And when I said that, you know, all three of them, I felt like for just a moment, all three of them were on the same page. And then within the same breath, you know, the, the one guy goes like, oh, man, Marshall, you should be a you know, used car salesman. And they all started laughing and, and uh, you know, became uncomfortable because I think they had realized in that moment that I was right and that not all three of them could be, in fact, in charge and that it didn't make sense for all three of them to be in charge. And I just started to think about myself and in that and what role do I play in, in a system like that and and trying to figure out what role in general people play in the workplace. It's, it's, it's interesting, I guess, thinking about having to go and be a part of a system work. And I'm sure everybody has their own work environments. And, and I had a, a continuing education course on Friday that lasted like six hours. And our boss was like letting us know how much we we're messing up. He said that, that our mistakes in the field through the course of construction, I'm a construction project manager, through the course of construction is actually costing him, and this is his company as a whole, not like just one particular um, um, project, but all of his projects. He says, in general, the mistakes that are being made on those projects are costing him more money than the amount that he has to pay in salary. And man, that was a humbling, that was humbling, right? Because it's like, man, if I was a business owner and that was happening, I would start looking at trimming the fat. But these are trying times and everything's, crazy with COVID still and the supply chain's all messed up. So I, I feel for anybody who's a business owner right now, I really feel for them. It's like you cannot win as a business owner right now, the way I see it, at least in my industry. So that's um, that's an interesting an interesting phenomenon that's playing out. So what else is what else is going on? Oh man. Seattle Kraken won their first game this week i think that was on wednesday i believe or thursday it was thursday thursday night football tom brady that son of a bitch he i mean i wouldn't say i love tom brady but i respect the hell out of that guy that guy's such an amazing athlete talk about mental toughness talk about mental durability that guy has that guy's got it in freaking major gumption you know that guy's got a bunch of all that good stuff. But the over for his rushing yards was 1.5. He rushed for three yards. And then at the very end of the game, he kneeled it. And uh, kneeled it three times, I believe. And two out of the three times, he lost a yard, which brought his over to one yard. I mean, which brought his rushing total to one yard. So he had three, knelt it twice, lost a yard on each kneel. And ended up with only one yard. So he did not cover the over on the rushing. And I think everyone is incredibly frustrated. That, that game was like, never. all that is to say, never bet on the Buccaneers unless you're betting on the money line because they will not lose. But any prop bet, well, actually, I bet on Leonard Fournette to get two rushing touchdowns. And that, that worked out well for me because that was a huge, um, I think it was like plus 500. So it was one to five payout. And that was nice, but um, the Bucks. Can I sincerely help you, Buccaneers? Like you guys, you all are just—I don't like it. Whatever's going on with the Bucks and the betting, I don't—I'm over it. But I did bet on the Kraken, and they won, and they were the underdog. So it's nice to see that they're—they're they're going going strong. 
Also bet on zero zero to be the score of the San Francisco LA Dodgers game five after one inning. That was uh, a small, I think it was like plus 230. Plus just means like the likelihood of it happening is not um, that good. So like a, a, a negative 100 is your chances are, you know, one to one. It's pretty good chances. And then like a negative 500, let's say, is like really good chances. So the Buccaneers were the favorite in the Eagles game on Thursday. So they were like a negative 500 but um yeah i made i made a few good bets this week and i i make small bets don't get me wrong i'm not like betting my salary on these games i'm like putting really just small bets like two and three dollar bets um i made one five dollar bet and a lot of it's like free money too right you get these referral codes i've got a hundred dollars worth of referrals this week alone or within the last two weeks actually uh, you give the person your referral sign-up code. They sign up. They they make a $10 bet. They get $50 of money from FanDuel's, and then they you know then they have to make a bet with the $10 they put in. So I think it's a pretty good little uh, little deal. Even if you lose the $10 on your on your bet, you still make $40 and you can cash out. So I mean, I think it's fun. I think it's a blast. I think sports betting has allowed me not to, and this is, again, I, I say sports betting, but if you have a problem with like a betting and addiction and like an addictive personality, do not do this. I don't think I do. I enjoy my vices, and I think any man without a vice can't be trusted. So that's always what I believed. And when I say man, I mean any person without a um, vice can't be trusted. Because uh, here, here's the thing about a vice, right? If you don't have a vice, then chances are you have a weird vice. Like if you look at somebody like Jeff Bezos and you're like, okay, he doesn't drink, he doesn't smoke, he doesn't do this, he doesn't have any vices. The guy's guaranteed got vices. Look at that guy. He's a freak, you know? So, or like someone like Mike Pence. It's like, okay, this guy's a Christian, no vices. It always ends up, then you've got a weird, it always ends up as, this is my perception. My perception is that if you don't have a vice that you can willingly talk about or have out in the open, you know, like, Maybe eating junk food is your vice. Maybe watching football is your vice. Maybe going and playing the penny slots is your vice. But you got to have a vice. It can be benign. But if you don't have one, then my take is that then you probably have a super weird vice. Like you're probably like a, like you, you got something weird going on. And I mean, again, who am I to judge? I am not. I, I am in no position to judge. And even like kind of like I was thinking that immediately I was going to say like a foot fetish. That's, you know, something weird. But I don't think that's that weird. Foot fetishes are like normal now, right? Everybody everybody makes jokes online about foot pics and stuff like that. So my take on that is be okay with your vices. Everybody has vices. Life is short, right? You can't just live a life of a viceless life. I mean, I'm trying to be healthier, trying to eat less meat, trying to drink less. Again, I'm staying strong on not consuming alcohol more than two days in a row, which is, I think... When some people hear me say that, and they're probably like, "Whoa, Marshall! Like, if you can't do that, then you're in bad shape." But I'm the kind of person that would come home and have a beer. You know, just I'll be making dinner. There's a beer, an extra beer in the fridge. I'll crack it open with, you know, drink it before my dinner. I don't even think about that, but now I do. Now I make sure not to. Um, man, 
I listened to a great podcast by Daniel Goleman. Uh, he was a guest on Darko, Dr. Darko, Dr. Michael Gervais had uh, Daniel Goleman as a guest. And Daniel Goleman is the author of my favorite book, uh, Emotional Intelligence by Daniel Goleman. Life-changing book for me. It, it, it really did change my life. I never realized or was able to really put a a um I didn't really know what emotional intelligence was before I read this book and how critical it is to to happiness and at least happiness in my life and 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 how critical it was to being happy with myself and thinking of myself in a healthy way and uh, achieving my goals and setting goals and 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 moving through life in a very copacetic way. I believe emotional intelligence is huge in that process. And if you, my perception is that if you don't have, you know, at least some level of emotional intelligence, then you're going to be, you're going to live a very stressed life. And they talked a little bit about that. And they talked about how um, emotional intelligence is referred to as like EQ, E as an elephant. And then your IQ is like your intelligence that you get from, According to these two gentlemen, your IQ is kind of something that you can't necessarily change. Uh, your genetics and your predisposition and, and your, you know, the critical development years between ages, I don't know, like one and five or whatever. Are, those are when you develop your pattern recognition and, and, and other things like that, that really mold your um, your IQ and put you in a, in a certain range of, of IQ. Whereas your emotional intelligence, right, is like something you can work at as a skill. Like you can work at being more positive. You can work at being able to recognize your emotions and you can work at being able to um, have a better idea of how people perceive you, how you perceive yourself. Do those two perceptions line up? And um, man, that was something I thought was so I'm listening to this podcast the day after I had this big converse, these these big conversations with my project. Uh, superintendent, my field team that, that builds the projects that I help oversee and run the team, you know, their emotional intelligence out in the field. I feel like, you know, typically a 60 year old man's emotional intelligence is pretty low compared to maybe a 20 or 30 year old who can really look at themselves and take stock. Whereas like a 50 year old man, they're just, you know, they, they, they live in the world of of platitudes, at least the way I see it, you know, those, they say things like, well, I'm never going to change, or this is just the way I am, or there's only one way to do it. Right. And, and just these, these sorts of phrases that really tie them to a certain way of thinking. Like, you know, if I'm, if I can't do it this way, then I, you don't need me. And I, I don't have to be a part of this project and just say all these kind of like little quibs that quips that, um, that tie them to a really specific way of thinking. It's like, it's really obvious to see that that you know that phrase neurons that fire together wire together i love that phrase because it's it's so true the way i see it if you are always wiring these neurons to 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 react in a certain way every time you hear vegan you're like oh that's you know i can't do that that's disgusting or every time you hear vaccine you're like oh i can't do that that's you know, voodoo or uh, every time you hear something, you know, LBGTQ, it's, you know, these certain people at a certain age, in my opinion, 
they always kind of react in, in that way and it takes them a while to be able to adjust, but they can adjust, I think was what the point of Daniel Goleman and Dr. Michael Gervais were saying that um, that you can, you can train your mind to, to be, to be different. And I look at my, you know, someone like my dad who has changed over time, you know, he was a big proponent of the, Oh, vegan stuff. It's disgusting, blah, blah, blah. But now he's, he's doing it. And because after, you know, the beginning of the pandemic, he realized, man, I got to take care of myself and make some changes to my, to my health. And part of that was eating less red meat and eating less processed foods. And, and so now when we say vegan, he doesn't re have that knee jerk reaction, which I think is a perfect example of how people can change their level of emotional intelligence in order to cater to a changing world. Right. I mean, before, um, recently, I think that there was not as much as a, uh, um, as a focus on being an emotionally intelligent person. Whereas now it's, it's a huge deal. People really want to see how you work with people. Oh, FaceTime. Oh, my homie T. Sorry, T. I'm in the middle of some important business. But yeah, nowadays these people, they want to see you really get into how you feel. And, and I was talking to, well, not really get into how you feel, but I guess that was a absent-minded way of saying it. But I was talking to a um, somebody that I work with, and he is a higher up. He's a project manager, and he does a lot of outreach. But he's done a lot of very intense construction project management. You know, really tight deadlines, really big liquid damages for missing deck for missing deadlines. Um, you know, which would mean that if he doesn't hit that deadline, he's incurring maybe ten thousand dollars a day uh, that he has to pay out of his pocket for for not miss making a deadline. But that's something that the owner would put on the um, general contractor to make those dates. And he's telling me, I'm trying to talk to him about emotional intelligence and about how that recognizing um, these indicators that can change the way that the field team thinks and allows them to work better in teams and allows them to work better in towards a group goal that I think that's very closely tied to emotional intelligence. And he's like, man, you have no idea. You know, he looks at me like I'm, you know, really quite naive saying, you know, this industry that we work in, the construction project management industry is so far behind other industries in terms of being able to adjust to the, you know, the implementation of, of, of emotional literacy and emotional intelligence. Uh, he's just like, there's really really the construction industry is dead last. It's filled with people who are totally bereft of, of emotional intelligence. It's so reactive. Everything is so reactive in this industry, which is, I, I thought was a very, a very um, thought provoking um, observation on his behalf. It was, it was something I said, you know, wow, this, we really are, we're really dead last in terms of like being able to innovate and, and you, you know, you, innovate on the on the level of of emotional intelligence and emotional training because you look at somebody like microsoft or amazon well maybe not amazon amazon's like everything's done by ai so i think they've maybe they've taken the emotions out of a lot of what they do by making it all ai centered but you look at somebody like a, it's microsoft and you look at their leadership team and they're really from what i heard and what i understand is that they're really into the emotional development and and making sure that their leadership team understands those critical 
those those critical components of emotional intelligence because in the past microsoft has really struggled by having too much competition in their workplace and in, in ultimately engaging in friendly fire by saying you know well i'm not on the same team as this d department or this sector and microsoft really really struggled because of of that incentive program that they had that pitted ultimately pitted employees against one another and departments against one another and 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 really cost them to lose their market share uh as as the early 2000s ended and they moved into the um the where we are today and they've really done a great job at least what i've heard at, at changing that and engaging in more emotionally Cog emotionally like cognizant and like aware type practices so very interesting this is stuff i'm interested in i i hope i'm not boring you all um with the tangent i'm on regarding the emotional intelligence i think it's critical i think that stuff's really interesting um interesting man that's one of my like least favorite descriptive words it bothers me when i hear that sometimes people say interesting or in class when people would be like you know what i really thought it was really interesting when it's like, oh man, that word is such an out, such a, such an out. Um, what else is going on? Bitcoin mount. Bitcoin is like at an all time high right now at like 60,000. So anybody holding Bitcoin, I'm sure is having a great week. I'm speaking of emotional intelligence. It's really easy to be in an emotionally great place when Bitcoin is over 60,000 tapping, you know, knocking on the door. I think of 63 was that the all time high. Um, yeah, some of the altcoins are down right now. I know ADA is holding at like a dollar. I mean, 220 Ethereum was knocking on the door of 4,000. I know it's like 39.9 when I looked this week, I think Thursday, Friday. So man, it's interesting times, right? We, we are looking at what could be the beginning of a bear market in the stock market for, um, certainly the. Dow Jones, maybe not as much for the S&P. Well, yeah, I feel like Dow Jones goes first and then the S&P goes after and then NASDAQ is always right be right slowly because NASDAQ is kind of more technology sector, at least the way I understand it. So we could be headed for a little bit of a that 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 dip in the economy that all the millennials are hoping happens, um, which is again, which is fine. People can hope for that. People can do whatever they like in America. That's the beauty of this country to a certain extent. So Bitcoin is Bitcoin is up. It's a good time to have Bitcoin right now. Mm. Who can't get excited about something like that? I know. I know I do. I was talking to some people in my office about that. A guy that I know owns a he has a gold broker that he owns gold through. And I said, you know, why not hedge and buy some Bitcoin? And he did. And it's gone up more this year in the last, I think he bought it at like 42, 43. And now it's up at 63. So he bought a little bit. I don't know how much he bought, but still, it's a good little investment. You can see some profit. It's crazy to think that some people buy hundreds of thousands of dollars of it and then turn around and, you know, they buy at 40. It goes up to 60. That's huge. That's huge. People are making money and it's real money. A lot of people 
don't understand how it all works. I don't understand how it all works. I know the emerging blockchain is something that is going to change the lives of a lot of people. I hope it does. I hope NFTs really catch on. I know last night going to that concert, I wish I would have had an NFT of the ticket because that was an amazing concert. Isaiah Rashad, what a, what a showman. That guy is really talented. We love it. We love to see it. Well, I am done with this cup of coffee and I'm going to go get another cup and start doing some cleaning around the house. That's always kind of what's going on on my Saturdays, just doing some cleaning, doing what's essential. I love that. That's been a huge theme in my life lately. I wake up in the morning and that's one of the first things I ask myself. Today, what is essential? For me, eating good and eating well, putting good stuff into my body is essential. So... I like to start out my mornings by waking up. I take my dog on a 20-minute walk. No no headphones, nothing. Just clear my mind, let myself kind of re- reconnect with my own thoughts. Uh, you know, I do a little workout routine. Sometimes it's about a half an hour. Sometimes it's only five minutes. Then I take a cold shower, usually take a cold shower. I love the cold showers. I realized listening to this podcast, I was uh, listening to somebody, another interview with um, Jim Rome, who's great. He talked to a a gentleman who had been doing cold showers for like 40 years. And I've been doing cold showers for the last three years. And so somebody asked me the other day about my process. And so I, uh, you know, my process for the cold shower is I, I, I turn it on, turn the faucet on. I turn it to cold. I don't turn it to hot. I used to, when I first started doing cold showers, I would turn it to the temperature that I want it. And it takes a few moments to warm up, right? So I'll turn it to the temperature I want it. I'll immediately get in and I will submerge myself, you know, and subject myself to the immediate cold shower. Um, and then as, as it warms up, then I adjust and, 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 and do my shower routine. But now I'm just exclusively, I've, I, I don't need to do the warm part anymore. I turn it on to just where I have pressure. I jump in, it's cold, I freak out. I get myself, you know, um, my body's fully covered, you know, gets the water, water all over my body. Um, I do whatever hair care I need. I wash my face at that time during those lathering times, I, I will turn the shower off. And so I'll just be standing there, uh, with the cold water on me. Uh, but the water's not running and then I'll, I'll rinse, I'll relather and then I rinse and then I'm done. My showers last about three minutes. It's really cold, but when I come out, I feel great. I, don't, I feel like I don't have inflammation in my joints as much anymore. I, I feel more limber. Um, I feel like my recovery is better. And, I, and oh, most importantly for me, I, my motto right before I get in the shower is, you know, I always say, man, I do not want to get in that shower right now. But I quickly say to myself, I know I don't need to, I know I don't want to get in that shower, but what is the best time to do something you don't want to do right now. And I just get in and that's my motto. So I try to live by that motto. Another motto I really love is, is I, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but in an ending, uh, um, I think a great, a great theme of this week for me was, is, is reminding myself that I am ultimately in control of how I react to the things that happen to me in my life that I have no control over. 
So I am ultimately in control of the way I react to the things that I have no control over. Think about that this week as you move through your week and you are faced with adversity. I think adversity is good. You need adversity in your life, especially some controlled adversity, right? Go out and, and put yourself in a situation where you, you have the opportunity to grow. Even if it's going to a new grocery store, you know, there's a fries on the other side of town or a Safeway on the other side of town you never go to and it's got a different floor layout. You might go there and think, man, I don't know where anything is. But instead of saying to yourself, oh man, this is taking too much time or whatever, enjoy that process and enjoy the opportunity to be in a place of controlled adversity. Because ultimately, you're the one who decides where you put your energy. I had to tell those guys this week, you know, some of my superintendents this week that I don't give people energy that upset me. You know, the people that upset me and the people that, that frustrate me, I don't give them my energy. I give my, I reserve my energy for the people that I love. So think about that this week. I ask you to think about that. You don't have to think about it. You can not think about it, which is fine. I don't care. You can think about whatever you like. But I would encourage you to think about that this week. Think about the people you love, who you put, who you give your energy to. Are you giving your energy to the people that you love or are you making an excuse and saying, well, you know, I've just got so much stress in my life that the things that I bother me and, and the things that stress me out, I have to give all my energy to those things in order to mitigate them. I would encourage you to think about, rethink that approach if you're, if you're stuck in that loop right now. And if you're not, then good. Then great. You're doing great. Go out and seize the day, seize the week. October 1st, there was 90 days left in 2021. We're approaching, I think the 75 day mark was today. So we're, we're getting to that critical point. Start thinking about your, I'm putting air quotes, your new year's resolutions right now. I know I'm got my head start on my resolutions back at the end of the NBA playoffs. So I'm in full swing. I'm eating better, I'm drinking less, I'm exercising more, I'm starting to reconnect with myself. I'm going to be moving here shortly. Things are great for me. Looking forward to Thanksgiving. Excuse me. Looking forward to Christmas. Looking forward to reconnecting. Looking forward to the next time I get to go in the ocean. If you live near the ocean, go out and enjoy the ocean. I wish I could. Go out and seize the day, seize the week. And remember that you are ultimately in control of how you react to the things you have no control over. On that note, I love you all. Hopefully you're still rocking with me. Enjoying the podcast because I'm really loving it. I love being back. I love being with the people. I love rambling on. So until next time, this was... Never canceled with your host, Marshall Phelan. Peace. All right, all right. That was episode eight. I really enjoyed that one. I got to talk a lot about 
the emotional intelligence. That's been something that I've been loving to read more and more about, learn more and more about how to keep yourself positive, how to keep yourself going at an optimal performance, what to do when your head goes underwater a little bit. I love you all. Thanks for keeping keeping the faith, rocking with me, listening to what I got to say. Let me know what you all think of that pod. Hope to hear from everybody soon. Peace.